And welcome back to another installment of Animation Broadcast and Cinema, a.k.a. the ABC Movie Show. This is the last week of real movies that we're talking about before we get to the Oscars show. Are you going to wear your tux for the show, Jacob? Oh, yeah. Woo! Oscars show, where we are going to... I, 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 the format I believe that we should do. We, we could talk about if we want to do what we think it should be versus what it is, or if we, or, or what it will be. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like what we think deserves it. We should do. I think each category should be what we think deserves it, but also what we think the winner is going to be. Yes. Usually those are very, very different. Yes, I agree. Like, like basically, like what our heart says it should be versus if you were going to bet on it, what? Yeah. You know, it should. Be, yeah. What you, what you should That's exactly on. what we should do. All right, um, and so of course there will be no movie next week. So this is our last. You know, we're wrapping up our Oscars month, and uh, we wanted to do a quick recap. You know, of the last what eleven years, twelve years of of Oscars, and uh, kind of. I thought you were about to make break. a twelve years a slave pun right there. Nope, no, we're not making puns about that movie. <laughs> uh, we <laughs> and so we wanted to kind of give a recap on what. Uh, the the order the way we would rank the last twelve years of uh, Oscars Best Picture winners, um, you know, just to show you what we what we like the best and what we think are the best of the last of the recent Oscars decades, you know. Yeah, all, all the right. Best Picture winners. All of the Best Picture winners. So there are a few that we have not seen. Uh, I'll just Jacob has not seen the artist Green Book. And the artist, mm-hmm. yes, and I haven't seen Green Book, The Artist, and The King's Speech. Um, okay, so I guess I'll go first since you have nine on your list and I have ten. Yes, yes, indeed. Cool. All right, so starting from the bottom. Um, yeah, this was a little tough to rank. I had a little trouble. Uh, I think mm-hmm. the bottom five were a little easier. The top five were, were pretty tough, which is a little surprising. Um, all right, so starting from the bottom, I have The King's Speech. Um, one of the reasons why it's down here is because uh, it's been so long since I've seen it. I don't think I have seen it since 2010, which I think that's when I won. Um, yeah. So I, I have very little memory of it, but I do remember it being very good. I remember Colin Firth giving an amazing performance and remember being like emotionally moved by it too. Um, I don't know if it would still hold up today, um, but... It was still a great movie, um, but it's just at number 10 because I don't have much memory of it, um, but the memories I do have are really good. Yeah, um, I have, I didn't see that one because it came out in 2010, and, I, you know, I'm like, I was like 12 years old. I think I, I saw it in really, theaters, the, actually. The, the, well, the King's Speech wasn't really my bag at that age. <laughs> like, you know, the only movies from the nominees I even saw that year were Inception and True Grit and Toy Story 3. Like, that's that was my – I was in the crime films. That was my thing. That was where I was. Like, as, as like, a you know, coming – I think 12 is kind of when you start coming out of, like, I guess the kids' movies age, you know, and mm-hmm. you start getting more into, like, finding what you're – favorite styles are and genres are and stuff and so i was like very much getting into my crime and western bag and still kind of like i had like an arm in the serious crime stuff but also keeping an arm in the sci-fi stuff with inception right also just to clarify this is the 2011 oscars but it came out in 2010 yes 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 and i found uh and then i found david fincher and my life was and michael mann and my life was changed forever i mean yeah looking at the the nominees 
that it was up against, like Toy Story 3, Inception, Black Swan, The Fighter, The Social Network, 127 hours. Like, this, I don't think it should have won. I think The Social Network easily should have won this. Um, yes. And there are also a lot of other better options here, but it's still a good movie and worth watching. I mean, that's a, that is, I, I think it's pretty much considered one of the all time biggest snubs that the social network didn't fucking win that. Like, I, I was listening to uh, the social network rewatchables podcast that Bill Simmons mm-hmm. and Sean Fennessy and Chris Ryan did for The Ringer. And, like, Bill Simmons spent like 15 minutes talking about why this just, the social network should have won. I mean, um, yeah, it's like one of the greatest movies of the decade. So, it is a fantastic film. I love the social network. Um, all right. Your number nine is the same as my number eight, which is the bottom of my list. So let's hit that. You want to introduce it since we're going through your order? Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, number nine on my list, bottom of Bo's list, is Argo, the Ben Affleck film. Uh, I think this was the first, or maybe not the first, but this is what kicked off the biopic um, craze, I feel like. I feel like after this movie, we started to get a ton of these movies trying to replicate it and try to like go for that best picture. Um, but either way, it was still a great movie. Um, very right. intense. And crazy um, story. So Argo, I think, was one that was really hyped up. I think most people remember it. It's the story about the Iranian hostage crisis and how they got some CIA agents to film like to to pretend to be a fake film crew, you know, to go in and get these guys out. Um, when people, when they were surrounding the Iranian, uh, the U S embassy in Iran. Um, and it's, I I think everybody had, had an idea of the Iranian hostage crisis. Like even in our age, like I remember hearing about it, like in a history class or something, but not really remembering much about it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Ben Affleck makes this movie with, like, a bunch of actors that I really like. And my mom was like, oh, I remember the, you know, the (laughs) Iranian hostage crisis. We need to go see this. And so that's probably, like, the first time I think I saw, like, a best picture winner, like, uh, in my generation in theaters, you know? And I even then, I did not think it was going to win best picture. I think that one was somewhat of a surprise. This was also Uh, a pretty stacked year. I mean, we had Silver Linings Playbook, Django Unchained, Zero Dark Thirty, Lincoln, Life of Pi, Les Mis, Beast of Southern Wild. Good list. So, yeah, Argo is such a weird... it's, It's one that I think about the least from that year, but also, like, it's a really really satisfying rewatch like because it's like it's almost like three different stories you know it's like the initial attack in the hostage situation and like everybody freaking out in washington about that and then we get them making this plan and then it is uh the actual extraction and people have like made comparisons like ben affleck's making a movie about filmmaking Mm -hmm. (laughs) because like although it is this like operation to save these people he is going through with like he's showing you the steps of how movies get made because they have to like make it seem like it's a really legit movie so they go through every single step i think they even like write a screenplay in it and shit like it's crazy yeah they do um so it's like i don't think i mean django probably should have won there um in my just in my opinion but uh, it, it's a it's a very fun rewatch. I think it's aged very nicely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, let's keep go- what's 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 what you got next. 
We'll keep going. Uh, number eight, keep, which keep. is your number seven, I think. Six. Six. Sorry. I have eight, not nine. <laughs> <laughs> you just talk about it, and I'll say where it is on my list. All right, Let's. All right, we'll all right. just keep it pushing that way. Number eight on my list is Nomadland. Um, this is an interesting one because I initially thought it would be higher on my list if I made this list like, a couple of months ago. But the more I think about this movie, the more I dislike it, I guess. Or not not dislike it, <laughs> oh, but <no. laughs> it just it didn't hold its value that it initially had when I first watched it. Um, dislike it? No, it's not like... It's, I'm just saying I understand. I, it went down in quality for me a little bit the more I thought about it. Um, I think it had a, like an initial really good punch to it, and I loved... I really, really loved how it was kind of like a mix of a documentary slash narrative. That was really cool. And those mm-hmm. like really those like real nomad bits that they threw in there with like real nomads was really well done and very emotional. But everything else, eh, I don't know. Uh, it kind of fell flat a little bit, and I don't have any desire to watch it again. Right. So this like like you said, this is my uh, what is it? My seven? My six? I did it to myself. Um, <laughs> this is my six. Yeah, man, I had the same feeling when I watched it the first time. Like, I was texting you, like, this movie's fucking incredible. Like, mm-hmm. I love this movie. And then when I sat down to make the list, I was like, Nomadland, not that great. Yeah. You know, it it was definitely the best of last year. Disagree uh, there. I, I mean, you could make an argument for Sound of Metal. You can make an argument for Mank. I, I will always make the <laughs> argument for Mank. Um, I think Sound of, I Me- think, Sound of Metal is miles away of everything else. I think Minari, I think Minari has a really strong yeah. case, too. Minari is like, it, it, the more I think about that movie, the more I really love it, yeah. which is kind of the opposite here. Exactly. And especially, so one of the things, like Nomadland, if people don't know, it is about this woman who's like, town. the whole town kind of goes under, which can happen in America when towns are built around coal mines and then we run out of coal and then so the whole town pretty much has to leave and her husband dies and so she's just living out of a van and doing you know seasonal work for amazon and odd jobs where she could find it and they meet and like get experiences from you know real people who do this and it came out at such a bad like (laughs) It got a lot of negative press, but not enough to keep it from getting the Oscar because, like, people were like, hey, we shouldn't be making this movie glorifying Amazon when, like, they're not letting their workers unionize and people have to wear diapers while they're working in the warehouse. Like, it was was a weird time overall, and I think that's kind of hurt its legacy a little bit. For sure. Uh, It's still – it's beautiful. It's a beautiful film. No, it's really well done. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think it deserves best picture from that year. Um, and also, I feel like Oscars has like a big Frances McDormand boner recently. Like they oh. love her. How many Oscars has she ha- have movies she's been in gotten? Uh, I well, I know she's won three. She won right. Fargo, Billboards, and Nomadland. Um, yeah, I mean, like she's just a very, very talented actress. I do think she's very good in Nomadland. Yeah, I think she she definitely should have gotten the actress mm-hmm. for that. But also with like Chloe Zhao directing it, it's like it's very indie. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it, it had a lot going for it to win the Oscars. I get it, um, but I don't know. It was the perfect bag for the Oscars that year. Like they were. I think when that movie came out, they were like, "I don't care what else comes out. This is it." Um. But also, I'm just looking back over the uh, best performance by an actress in a leading role. There was not, I mean, 
Andre Day in United States vs. Billie Holiday, Carrie Mulligan, Promising Young Woman, Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of a Woman, Viola Davis, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and obviously Frances McDormand. I think Frances McDormand has the stronger case because she was living in that fucking van for <laughs> months while they were shooting it, so, you know. Sure, I mean, but, like, I don't know. That doesn't make the case for good acting. That's I like, think she was good in that movie. No, I'm not saying she's not good, but just because she lived in a van doesn't mean she like, no i know but that's like lo- when leo was like out in the cold shivering during the revenant that doesn't right he shouldn't have gotten that oscar either but that's a whole other thing eh, i think he should have but <laughs> he's been better in other movies he has but it's still <laughs> a really good performance uh, well you're just getting blinded by how dedicated he was to the role <laughs> weird weird time we this is not what we're doing right here but I didn't have a podcast when when this Oscars happened. Why were Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield both in supporting actor? I feel like one of them should have been lead, right? I don't know. They both had a good amount of screen time in the movie. Well, you can make an argument for Fred Hampton being the main character and Bill O'Neill being the main character. I think it's told from Bill O'Neill's perspective. So Lakeith maybe should have been considered the lead actor, but them both being in supporting feels so weird. Yeah, it does, but gotta do what you gotta especially, do. Especially since they're the two top um top build. Sasha Baron Conan, Trial of Chicago seven. Not for me. Um, but yeah, Nomadland. It was good. Mank was robbed. I still have it at number eight on my list. It beat Argo and the King's Speech, so Yes. Um I kinda I mean I agree with that. That's fine. You know. All right, let's keep it pushing. I don't have this next one. Yeah, number seven for me is 12 Years a Slave. Uh, one of the best movies I will never watch again. <laughs> um, it's just one of those movies that's just, like, it's so hard to watch just because, like, it's a true story, and, like, you know, you, you just know what happens, and it's just devastating to watch, like, these acts of terror just, like, on screen like this. And it's brutal, too. It's brutal. Like, they show everything. Um, it was probably worse than what was shown. Yeah, I, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's really good. Like, amazing performances by everyone. And it's, like, a it's a great story. Um, very moving. But it's just, it's tough to watch again. Like, it's hard to, like, go through that mentally. Um, but uh, it's still directed, a great movie. Oh, go ahead. Directed by Sir Steve Rodney McQueen, recently knighted. Yes, Sir McQueen. Legend. Getting nominated. Getting knighted. Awesome. <laughs> if th- this, like, just happened, does there a video of it? Because doesn't the Queen do that? Don't know. Apparently, pe- really off topic, but there's there's rumors the Queen's dead. Interesting. Mm, who knighted? Oh, Princess Anne knighted him. Ooh. Keep that one on the back burner. You heard it here first if she's actually dead. <laughs> Um, so yeah, this movie was was going up against another kind of big year: Gravity, American Hustle, Dallas Buyers Club, Wolf on Wall Street, Her, Nebraska, Philomena, um, Captain Phillips. These are all very strong movies. Um, personally, Gravity should not win. I like Gravity a lot. Um, I do too, but it's not. No, I don't think it's a it's a winner here. But I, I think Her is. The winner, personally, in my opinion, here. Yeah, that's pre- that's pretty that's pretty wild. Her is like one of my favorites of the decade. Um, but 
I don't I I totally understand why Twelve Years a Slave won. It's a very powerful story and I think it needs to be heard. Um and yeah, I think they like, I know they show this movie in like schools a lot too. Um not my school. I think they showed it at my high school maybe. Um but really? it, it is like it's like an educational movie cuz like it's it's not like I don't know if you'd say realistic, but it's based on like a very true story, so um uh, and it really shows like the impact like it has an impact on you when you watch it and it's like very eye-opening um so yeah it's a very powerful yeah. movie in that sense and that, i think that's why it's like high up on my list i i haven't watched this movie just because i feel like there hasn't been a right time to because this is definitely this you really got to be in the that movie. I've, right this is this is a movie that i'm not i'm just i'm not just throwing this one on <laughs> i'm sure it's amazing but i'm not just like ah what should i watch tonight you know, you gotta have a you gotta plan that one out. Yeah, it's the <laughs> same know? thing with um, Barry Jenkins, who we're gonna talk about soon. Uh, just came out with a yeah. show called um, The Underground Railroad, which is on Amazon. Came out last year. Right. It got like really, really good reviews. Um, but it's about the the same type of stuff, like during slavery, and it, he shows a lot of like the brutalness that happens with like slave masters and slaves and stuff, and. I could never get myself to watch it. And finally I was like, all right, uh, th- this really got good reviews. I want to watch this. It looks beautiful. So I sat down and started, started the first episode. I, I made it through halfway and I was like, all right, I, oh, no. I can't watch this. And not because it was bad. It was really, really good. The cinematography was beautiful. The score was amazing. Like the acting was really good, but oh, oh my God, the stuff they were showing the first episode, I was like, I have to watch 10 more episodes of this. No way. I'm sorry. I'm out. <laughs> no. Um, so I'm sorry, Barry Jenkins, but maybe one day, but it's just, it's too much, especially just like what, what, everything going on right now. Just like, I need, I can't watch this heavy yeah. stuff right now. Yeah. That's not, 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 yeah. It's a, it's a rough time for sad things, sad films and shows. Yeah. Um, it's hard, but yeah, still, still <laughs> a great movie and I appreciate it for what it was. Yeah. All right. Let's move on here to what you've got. Uh, it's my number seven, your number six. Yes, we just talked about this, The Hurt Locker. Um, great movie. Really um, middle of the barrel on this list. But, yeah, I mean, we, we kind of already said everything we wanted to say about this movie. Right. Um, if you didn't listen last week and you haven't seen it, it's Jeremy Renner plays a bomb technician in Iraq and – a bunch of really fucked up shit happens. <laughs> it's is that I feel like it's the, a really good summary of that movie. Yeah, um, fucked up shit happens. Not yeah. as much as Twelve Years a Slave, but no, and it's a very different kind of fucked up shit. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a it was especially in the time it came out. It was this is my number seven. I have it below Nomadland and the, it's, it's right above Argo. It's kind of like Argo for me in that maybe I've seen it too many times or I don't know. It's kind of, I think lost its impact to me. The, the, the direction and acting and all that stuff really hits, but like, I don't know. I, it's maybe I've seen it too much in like the shock value that's supposed to be there for a lot of stuff has, you know, has kind of have, has kind of withered away for me. So I, I don't, think i see the value in it as much as i used to but it's still very very good yeah no it's a great movie I mean, there's just a lot of stuff i like better and you know right. i don't have as much on my list as you so like yeah yeah we can move on from that 
Um, <laughs> listen to if you want to hear a longer breakdown on the Hurt Locker, listen to our episode from last week where we go into great detail about a lot, a lot of stuff. Yes. Um, okay, moving on. My number five, which is your number two. Yes. Um, Spotlight. Uh, mm. Great, great movie. Also very, very powerful too. Um, Wildly sad. Yes, very, very sad. Um, not as like shocking or brutal as um, Twelve Years a Slave or Her Locker, but yeah, still incredible film. I remember. Um, I don't even know the feeling I got, but just like I think it was dread, just the dread of the end of the movie when it goes black and then it just starts listing all these like cities where this stuff oh, has been God. happening. And like, I saw my town it was right on the list. Oh no. Or sorry, not my town, but the town right next to me, which is technically <laughs> my town, but still, um, it was just like, it was just brutal watching that. And just like the list was so long and, and it kept it's going. So it keeps moving, man. And he was like, Oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, phenomenal acting in that movie. It's very intense, um, almost like a mystery in a way. Um, no, that okay. So just sorry to cut you off, but to jump in here, that's like a reason that I love it so much is because it almost it's like it's not a thriller, but it is like a crime film in that way. Yeah. That they're doing an investigation and like trying to like because it's a and it's this whole crazy conspiracy theory that they have to unravel, and it's it, it's something that like I'm sure especially at the time. See, if you had said that there was a massive network of pedophiles that the Catholic Church is covering for, like, people would look at you like you're a fucking psychopath, you know? Like, if you had mm-hmm. never heard that before, and then the Boston Globe breaks this story, and, like, it's it, it's it, it upended people's view of the church. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, and I, I kind of, like, didn't even – I'm Jewish, so I, I didn't know much, but <laughs> just, like – seeing all this and like what actually happens and just all the stuff that goes down they didn't even like they kind of only scratched the surface in this movie basically Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's just it's devastating yep um it is god it's brutal man i i it's hard to watch but also like i'll i'll watch it again you know yeah no it it, it's not like yeah it's not like brutal in the sense like we just said like 12 years of slavery right um it's yeah they, they keep it pretty light in terms of visuals but yeah it, it's gripping it um it's and you know it's it, it, it that the you know following the thread you know, mystery stuff right there all like helps pay pay off when you rewatch it um i just looked up the list at the end of the <laughs> at the end of the movie to see if any towns around me were on there i didn't see any athens and atlanta weren't there so yeah i didn't see any i didn't see what georgia cities there were um, Connecticut was on there, all right. All right, so Tom, it was directed by Tom McCarthy. This is a little off, off, off base again, but what d- I will give you ten dollars if you can name the movie. Put your hands up in the air. I don't want you to Google anything. The movie he did before Spotlight. Uh, I have no idea. The Adam Sandler film, The Cobbler. Wow. What a fucking change of pace. Yeah, big time. That movie has a 23 meta score. <laughs> and then he made Spotlight. What? He's a diverse director, you could say. Clearly. Oh, man. Spotlight, yeah. yeah Spotlight is going up against Room, The Martian, The Big Short, mm-hmm. Brooklyn, Mad Max, Fury Road, The Revenant, and Bridge of Spies. 
Also a very stacked year. I saw Bridge of Spies in theaters. Um, I didn't really love it. That's all right. Uh, Room, I just saw for the first time for this podcast. I think we mentioned Spotlight when we did it because we were talking about, mm-hmm. you know, should it have won the Oscar? I don't know. Probably not. Spotlight probably should have won it. Spotlight or Mad Max? Because Mad Max is fucking incredible. Yeah, I have like a four-way tie right now with Mad Max, Spotlight, Room, and The Revenant. I thought you were going to go with The Martian. Nah. I don't really love The Martian. Nah, same. It's fine. It's. I think it, I'm just not a big fan of the movie because I read the book, and the book is so much better. See, I've been staying away from the book because I've seen the movie, and I'm like, eh, it's kind of it's you know, so I've seen The Martian twice, and I have no need to go back there. I'm telling you, the book is like 10 times better than the movie. It is so right. worth it, and you should definitely check it out. That's up your alley. I'll have to check it out. Um, All right. Yeah. Let's keep it pushing. Your number four is also my number four. Yes. The Shape of Water. Um, great, great, great film. Um, I love I it. think not something I was expecting from Guillermo when it first came out. Um, the monster was, was very cool. Um, but just like the, the, the adult fairy tale, I guess, I was not really expecting. Yes. Um, but it was uh, very well done. I, I really loved it. It had like a, this really cool, like, it made me kind of just like, I don't know if like appreciates the right word or just like really invested. I guess invested is the right word in this fucking monster and this girl and this woman. Like, I was like, oh, okay. I just, I'm weirdly into this. <laughs> okay, don't say into, but. Uh, no, not in that yes. sense, but. This kept me invested the whole time. I was like, what's going to happen to them? Right. So Shape of Water is the 2017 film. I don't know why I almost went 15 there. Where, like, this deaf woman falls in love with a creature of the deep, the the lost the, the lost link between fish and man, uh, you know. And she's, like, pretty much a janitor for the facility and falls in love with him and wants to be with him. And it's very – I think, you know, it is very much a Guillermo del Toro uh you know fantasy yep. movie the those he he really that feels like his bag kind of but when you look at it like his only i think true fairy tale movies are the shape of water and pan's labyrinth and soon to be pinocchio mm-hmm. but that feels like what he's what what he's very known for and then of course you know the uh hellboy stuff uh blade 2 i fucking love blade 2 man he did Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm. Uh, Crimson Peak, I have not seen. Have you seen Crimson Peak? No, I have not. It is. So I've always been interested in it. It's a Tom Hiddleston, um, Jessica Chastain movie. Mm-hmm. And it's aftermath of a family tragedy, an aspiring author is torn between love for her childhood friend and the temptation of a mysterious outsider trying to escape the ghosts of her past. She has swept away to us that breathes, bleeds, and remembers. So it looks like the house is the monster in this one. I'm very Yeah, it's like a horror that. fantasy. It's, it's like kind of up, right up his alley. I'm looking at the stills of it. It looks fucking freaky. Um, but yeah, Shape of Water, also very stacked ear. Um, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Phantom Thread, Three Billboards, Get Out, The Post, Call Me By Your Name, and Lady Bird. Um, get Out Snub. Uh, see, I would say Phantom Thread Snub. Mm, I still haven't seen Phantom Thread, so. But Get Out, I just that really like 
That was one. That was one that like got people really fired up about movies. That I yes, I thought. it definitely had a big cultural impact. Um, yeah, but that's why I, I w- that's why I thought it needed the recognition. Sorry to catch up. Yeah, I, I was gonna say that I think this is the biggest shocker from the Academy. Mm-hmm. Academy. I don't think anyone saw this coming. No, I was watching this Oscars and like I thought. I, I'm pretty sure a lot of people thought like I think three billboards. get out Phantom Th- Phantom Thread and three billboards had it in the bag. That yeah. was the one that. People, like I thought, like I was watching it, like three billboards is gonna win because fucking Francis McDormand yep. and all this shit. And I was like, I like that movie, but I don't love it. And then The Shape of Water won, and I was like, is that the movie where she fucks the fish? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy that the Academy chose that movie. It's just very out of reach it's for them. So it's so strange. It's such a weird pick for them. Yeah, I. But we were on. My dad and I were. <laughs> We were on a plane to Vegas, and they had Shape of Water. And he goes, what movie should I watch? I said, Shape of Water is really good. But I forgot about, like, the really explicit scenes in it. We get off the plane, and my dad goes, what the hell was that? I was like, I was like, it's weird, but you liked it, right? He was like, no, I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> You watched the whole thing. I was like, well, I guess if you don't like Guillermo del Toro. But honestly, like, like the fish fucking scene was my favorite part. When they <laughs> when she, they, she starts like floating and the music gets all big and it's stop describing it. Well, it doesn't show anything. It just shows we're them like hugging. Kind, we're not that kind of podcast. Um, but I love that <laughs> scene so much. It reminds me of, like the La La Planetarium scene. La La yes, Planetarium. I do. Um, um, but yeah, it, it's it's a great movie. Um, really well done. It's a really cool adult fairy tale. We don't get many of those. Garamel's like the kind of the only one who makes them. Yes. Yeah. I know. I love it. Um, speak, so Guillermo's upcoming Pinocchio, like the stills we've gotten from that, look fucking awesome. I'm very excited. And then the like you know he also it's like the stop motion, which I'm like so into a Guillermo del Toro stop motion movie. Like holy shit. And then, uh, do you know what he's doing after that? After Pinocchio? I do, but I forgot. It is a documentary about my boy, Michael Mann. Oh, okay. I did not know that. I thought it was something else. I am wildly fired up <laughs> about the Michael Mann documentary. I'm sure Holy you are. Shit. Jesus Christ. All right. Um,. We can let's mention our next one, but because we both have it at number three, but we'll gloss over it because we're you know it's, it's yeah it's moonlight it's moonlight I'm just gonna it's I'll do moonlight it. it's, um, we're gonna talk about we're gonna table that okay do we want to talk about what it was up against no we're that's we'll do that okay in the in the pod moving on in the show <laughs> um all right yes this is year two and my one yes um I think it's a very shocking to a lot of people it's parasite. Just kidding. I'm Everyone loved this, this movie. Well, I'm shocked this isn't your one. Hot take, but I was not a huge fan of, of Parasite as everyone else was. Um, well, you can I think this movie rocks. got way overhyped. It's a fantastic movie. It is a really, really, really good movie. Um, but I don't think it's as great as everyone said it was. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the ending. I forgot you were watching the Oscars with your Joker paint on really cheering for that one dude i hate the joker <laughs> <laughs> and I, i'm not mad that this one at all i think it brought a lot of attention to bong joo and kind of japanese filmmaking in general yeah and had like a big impact korean in that, sorry korean um a big impact in that sense um 
and it, it's a great movie. I'm just I just think from the amount of hype it got, it was a little overhyped. But I do still think it should have won that year. I think it was the best film. Um, it was up against The Irishman, Marriage Story, Jojo Rabbit, Little Woman, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 1917, Ford vs. Ferrari, and Joker. You weren't like a 1917 head? No, that was a great movie, but Parasite's definitely the best here. Oh my god, it was one take. <laughs> there was so much of that going on, man. I was like... It's a great it was, movie. It was, yeah, I know, but Parasite's fucking... It, Parasite is pretty incredible. I think it's... Um, I would put, I would definitely, ca- I would call it a modern classic. Like uh, that, like I would consider kind of the modern classics to be that and, mm, I, I wouldn't necessarily call Moonlight one. It's very well I, paced. It's very well edited. The acting is great. The, it's all, it has everything going for it. It's a great film. Um, but yeah, but you know, that's like that. And also that's this type of movie is my, is my thing because it, also that's why it's my number one, you know, cause it is a. Like a, it's kind of a mystery thriller sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It beca- it really becomes a mystery, you know, towards the end, and it's yeah, that's that's just my that's my lane. And plus, I'm also like talking about how people need to watch more foreign films. So then I was like able to like get get on my rooftop and scream, "Everybody go watch Parasite!" And it got a huge kick, dude. Like I had friends who I didn't think would ever ever watch a foreign yeah. film watching it no it got huge buzz uh, exactly like my my roommates in college like who don't watch movies that much were like i keep hearing about this parasite i think we should watch it mm-hmm. and i was like hell yes we should <laughs> it came out uh it got re-released in theaters it had another run and then it made some serious money yeah no the impact that this movie had is tremendous and uh, did a lot i think for the culture of movies um so a, a weird uh, a, a a little fun fact, or I guess it's actually not that fun. Um, Parasite was kind of, if you look at it at the timeline, it's like the, it was the last, it, it wasn't really, it was, or I guess to get re-released. It was the last big thing in theaters before everything shut down. So when I moved to Asheville for the summer of 2021, they had a theater down in the downtown, which I, I lived like half a mile from the downtown. So I would go down there all the time. Theater was still closed during 2021 and the only theater open there was like the AMC. This was kind of a more local one. They still had a Parasite poster up. That was like mm. one of the only ones they had. Wow. And it was clearly had not been touched in a while. It was so faded and shit. I was like, wow, that is like dystopian. Yeah. I mean, the poster is really cool. Um, Yeah. I mean, just this was a really good. This is a really good movie year. I was cheering for once upon a time in hollywood like very very hard because i love that movie i think parasite was more deserving but i was like let's just pull this one off for my guy brad <laughs> um but no it was incredible jojo rabbit is one of my favorites of that year although i don't know if i'll ever watch it again um 1917 of course ford vs ferrari very very good was supposed to be directed by michael mann wasn't was only produced very very sad for me very sad no, Parasite is a fantastic movie and deserves all the praise, and that's why it's my number two. It's my one. What's your What's your one, Jacob? My one, which is surprisingly low for you. Um, all right, man. <laughs> is Birdman? Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it, and I just I it was kind of like a, the King speech for you, I think, where like I couldn't, I didn't want to put it over something I had seen more recently and very much loved. Yeah, understandable. Um, Birdman, no, I freaking love this movie so much. Uh, kind of the same thing as 1917, done in, in quote-unquote one take. Um, right. 
But I think this is this is kind of like one of the first movies that attempted that that like fake one take idea. Um, but it, it's also just it's so immersive. It's so good. All the acting is incredible. Um, just the journey it takes you on from start to finish is so infectious. I've seen this movie so many times now. It's freaking Michael Keaton, and it's basically uh, it's basically reflecting his life. It's about him, um, and it's it's just such a good movie. Like there's sci-fi stuff in it, there's superhero stuff in it, there's mm-hmm. incredible acting. It's funny. Um, there's just nothing to hate about this movie. It's it's just incredible, and it's Inaratu, yeah. Alejandro Inaratu. Um. Michael Keaton, I mean Michael Keaton as Bert, quote unquote Birdman is pretty perfect because the it's a he was famous for playing a superhero named Birdman in a film trilogy from 1989 to 1992, and although there were only two of those Batman movies that Michael Keaton was in, you know it's pretty clear what parallel they're drawing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a great story, and I love all the like Bird, you know the Birdman. Like talking to him and shit, you know that's fucking insane. I love it. Yeah, the camera work is just like unbelievable. It's a really, really tight script. Um, it's like a movie in a movie almost at some points. It's just uh, there's nothing to hate about this movie to me. This same guy directed The Revenant. Yeah, Inaratu. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, and he did Babel. Mm-hmm. Huh. No, he's a great director. Wow, I did not catch on to that. Um, also, this was 2015 Oscars. Very, very stacked year. And I honestly do not think it should have won. But I don't mind that it did. It was up against American Sniper, Selma, Boyhood, Grand Budapest Hotel, Whiplash, The Imitation Game, and The Theory of Everything. You back in Whiplash? 100%. It's a modern yeah. masterpiece. Um I- no, that movie is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a masterpiece. It's Same with Boyhood, the theory, too. The theory of everything is pretty good as far as biopics go. You know, yeah. I'm not a big biopic guy. Um, uh, Grand, I mean, Wes Anderson, my guy. I think this is one of uh, Wes Anderson's most like well-known movies, I feel like. I feel like this, this year, um, I really thought American Sniper was going to win it just because I think I the guy... Well, the guy who wrote the book, I read the book like a f- couple years before the movie came out, and a guy, the guy who wrote it and who it's about, had died like a few months before the movie was supposed to come out. I feel like, and like they, a- I think they added in the scene like right before where he like leaves to go to the shooting range with the guy that eventually ends up killing him. You know, like it's insane. Um, that theater going experience too. I've never walked out of a theater with everyone completely silent. Interesting. It was, I, I, it, it was dead silent. Well, actually, I have since then. It was fucking infinite. Yeah, it was another kind of like <laughs> impactful ending. Uh, in, in, <laughs> Infinity War and American Sniper got the same reaction from Athens, Georgia audience. <laughs> Just dead silence. Uh, but no, Whiplash and Boyhood are in 10 out of 10s in my opinion, so I think easily them should have won. But Birdman easily is still them, them sh- easily them should have won. You heard me. And <laughs> yeah, I, I still don't mind Boyhood. I mean, Birdman winning. I think that's still a, a great pick. 
Um, this is one that I have not seen a lot. This is a year I've not seen a lot of movies from. I've seen them Never all. Never saw the Imitation Game. You were just praising it. I didn't say the Imitation Game. I never mentioned that. Yeah, you did. I might have said the name, but I didn't praise it. You did, but yeah, I, I did not. <laughs> we can wear you wind. You'll, you'll see. I fu- we fucking will. I'm doing it during the break. Um, what's the timestamp? Where are we right now? <laughs> All right. Um, I don't think I've seen it. Uh, yeah, those are our lists, though. What'd you watch this week? Yeah, those are our lists. Um, unless, you, unless you have anything else to say. No, that's it. I mean, looking at, like, reflecting on all the best pictures that won, it's kind of sad because you, you know there's so many other better movies out there that should have, like, taken these spots. Not even ones <laughs> that were nominated, just ones that even weren't nominated. Um, yeah. But eh, it's like, like, if I were to give someone this list and be like, who's never seen movies before, like, watch these, eh. It's like an all right list, I guess. I don't know. I don't think I would ever be choosing any of these movies to give someone first to like watch, you know? Um, Maybe Parasite. Yeah, I, well, you know, um, looking at the list, I, I think the wi- the winners are not something I would do that often with. I think Moonlight is one I, I really, really love. I would do that with Moonlight. Um Spotlight is one I really love too, but then again, if I were to like be recommending a movie from this year, I would probably go Mad Max. Um, I don't know. I would do, or I guess Whiplash over Birdman, maybe. We did. We didn't get to talk about Green Book because we didn't have it on the list. But I want to do. We don't I want to talk about it. Well, we don't. I want. I just want to talk about how fucking stupid it is that that movie. Won. Yeah. Yeah, we don't, need, we don't need to say anything else about that. What a bad year, man. It doesn't deserve a, any recognition. Jesus fucking Christ. I hate it. Um, okay, what did I watch this week? <laughs> yeah, what did you watch this week? Um, pretty diverse selection. Uh, I watched Richard Linklater's A Scanner Darkly. Um, the trailer for his new movie just came out. Um, Apollo 11... Apollo 13, I forget which one, a Space Age, a Space Odyssey, uh, coming out on Netflix next month. Um, and the same type oh, of yeah. rotoscope animation that A Scanner Darkly was made, so I really want Apo- to... Do you want me to get in here with the name sure, real quick? Sure, yeah. Apollo 10 and a half, a Space Age child. 10 and a half, right. Um, so yeah. Coming of age story... Oh. Yeah, it's. Be, I think it's because the kid in it is supposed to be ten and a half. A coming age story, set in the suburbs of Houston, Texas, in the summer of 1969, set around the Apollo 11 moon landing. Uh, I will willing to bet you a million dollars that this is based off him and his fucking friends because everything he does is in Houston, based off or is in Texas, based off him and his friends. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to go back and and watch like a similar style movie that he's made. Um, I've seen Waking Life, which is the first rotoscope type of animation he did really mm-hmm. really love that movie so i want to watch uh scanner darkly which stars keanu reeves woody harrelson robert downey jr um renoa Ryder. it's got a great cast and my oh my do i gotta say robert downey jr gave an incredible performance in this movie because it's weird because like they still have to act but it's all animated but robert downey jr just gave like a super super animated performance that like you <laughs> wouldn't really get out of It's Bo here to tell you about our sponsor, Album Book Club. 
it is a book club, but, you know, for albums. And uh, they have weekly picks that they put out on their Twitter, at Album Book Club 1, and they uh, have curators that choose picks week by week. Uh, it can range from hip-hop to bluegrass to death metal to indie to pop. It's all over the place. Uh, it's a great way to discover new music. I've been following them and working with them for quite some time. They also put out their magazines on albumbookclub.com. They just put out an issue with Osar and Paris Price. Uh, they have great merch over there. It's all great looking stuff. Um, definitely check them out. Give the Twitter a follow. Give the page um, a look. It's great stuff. You're not going to be disappointed. Good way to discover music. Let's get back to the movie. And we are back, and it is time to talk about the 2016 movie, but the 2017 Best Picture winner, Moonlight. Yes. Who's in it, and what's it about? Moonlight. Um, director and writer Barry Jenkins, his debut, um, is about a young African-American man grapples with his identity and sexuality while experiencing the everyday struggles of childhood, adolescence, and adulthood. Um, starring Mahershala Ali, Naomi Harris, Trevante Rhodes, Alex R. Hibbert, Sheriff Earp, hope that's how you pronounce your last name, um, Janelle Monae, Jaden Piner, um, and I'll, I guess I'll also give a shout out to Ashton Sanders. I think it's Sharif Earp. Earp. Sharif, you're right. Um, and also Gerald Jerome, who plays middle-aged Kevin. Um, I th- and yeah, I thought. Oh, middle-aged Kevin. Okay. Yes, Kevin. Jarrell uh, 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 Jerome. I can't wait to get to him. Um, all right. So, as we all know, this movie is very highly critically acclaimed. Like I was looking at the Metacritic listings, like trying to. I wanted to find something that wasn't like you know, like completely like all you know, all over it about how this is like a perfect movie and shit. But I really can't. Like, even the Christian science reporter was like, this is a really good movie. <laughs> I was like, wow. The movie, like the, like, the Christian science reporter, I've looked at their reviews a lot from, mm-hmm. like, doing this. And they're usually, like, really, really brutal to – Christian science monitor, sorry. They're pretty mean to movies that have, like, you know, stuff with, like, gay people in them. And it's – this one's pretty nice about it. Mm. It's wow. it's it is. They say so, though not the towering mass. It's weird for me to be pulling from this one, but it's the only one that's like very middle of the road on it. And even still, the Metacritic rating that it has is a seventy-five, which is like really good. Um, though not the towering masterpiece it's being touted to be, which is I guess something that can be up for debate on if it's a, actually a masterpiece or not. Moonlight at its best is an uncommonly sensitive coming-of-age narrative. Divided into three sections over multiple decades, and so like they like are are like yeah, it's a really good coming of age story about a, a a story that isn't told very often, which is like you like you know which is this is something we don't see very often. I think we don't really get the coming of coming of age for black guys, especially not if they are gay. 
I, yeah, I can't no, really not think at of all. another movie like this. And that's what a lot of the praise around it was centered around it for that and like the cinematography. That I, I the, the, a lot of like it's called a, a socially conscious work of art by Variety, which it, it, I think that's a really good way to describe it as a work of art because like the stills from this movie always like pretty much any still you can pull looks fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's such a good looking movie. Um, all right, so I wanted to start off with the budget because this is the lowest budget Best Picture winner ever. It is the budget hmm i think this is including the marketing budget the actual budget of the movie was like 1.5 million or something uh although on imdb it has it listed at four and so there is a movie that has a lower budget uh it's rocky from 1.1 million but if you adjust it for inflation Moonlight is so much like it's so much cheaper. Oh and yeah, that's so fucking impressive. I mean, you can tell when you watch it. It's, yeah. it's very cheap. It, it is, but it looks really like it. It's cheap in the way that they executed things, but it was very carefully constructed, and so it looks amazing. Yeah, one hundred percent. It also used a very interesting uh, lens choice mm-hmm. where the uh, the blurred background was curved. Everything was kind of circular in the blurry right. background. So it just draws the focus even more on like the center of the frame, and uh, particularly like that's why I think is it Chiron? Chiron? I always want to pronounce it Chiron, like the Greek. Center. Yeah. Do we ever hear? It? We hear. It, it we hear, it, we hear it a bunch. It's Chiron. Chir- yeah, Chiron. Yeah. Chiron, maybe. Chiron. I don't care. I can't. I think it's Chiron, but, um, and he's like centered in the frame a bunch, so I think that, you know, the blurring, and and the curvature really helps to insinuate that even more. I mean, if you look at the picture, it's li- it's the youngest version of him right in the middle of the poster, and yep. like pretty much any character it's focusing on is centered right in the frame. Like I'm just going through some of these stills right now. The when Naomi Harris when it's doing the shot reverse shot of old Sharon and Naomi Harris at whatever facility she's at, you know, it's not putting them in the it's not doing the two thirds thing. Mm-hmm. It's putting them right in the middle of the frame. What are you laughing at? What are you smiling at? I'm looking at the poster again. Oh, <laughs> um, it's just it's interesting because we'll get into it. But the third guy is just is so different than. The <laughs> is that guy. what you're laughing at? <laughs> it literally looks like like. It's so obvious he's a different person. Like the other two, you can kind of see, but the third one is just. All right. Well, we have cast up next on the on the uh, list. Uh, I so we talked about this last night with the three different ca- castings for Kevin and Sharon. Sharon, like, can we just call him Little? Sure. All right. Um, I thought Little to well, I guess Little to middle aged. Chiron, I'll go with Chiron, I guess. To the middle Chiron is like it was so good. To to Ash yes. and Sanders. I agree. Whoa. I and, think that was so well done. And um the original the first one, Alex R. Hibbert, he is in a bunch of cool shit. Or he's he's been in three things, but there are three things that I very much enjoyed. He did uh so he did. Oh, I didn't know Moonlight was his first movie. It was his first thing he was in. Wow. Mm-hmm. But then in the same year, the shy premiered. He was also in Black Panther. 
the shy was good for like two seasons so i don't know how it is now but he was he's good in that stuff he's he's a good little up-and-coming actor he was really good as the, the little little right. little he is uh, i mean we we've we've loved child actors on here and we've we've bashed some but he was he's one that was very very good mm-hmm. just the and the quietness and kind of the confusion about why people treat him this way you know and yeah i think like what quiet yeah yeah sorry to cut you off i think what he's he's so good because as a as like a child actor like most child actors have like a lot of dialogue and they have to just like say it in the right way but he had very very little dialogue and it was all his facial expression and that's Which so hard. hard to do mm-hmm. as a child so hard and he nailed it um even though it was like the the first one the first iteration of Chiron that we've seen it, it's still he nailed it he went like exactly what i think the director is looking for and we and it's really saying something that this was his first time acting like mm-hmm. this was it like and he's do he's got to be doing the thing constantly where he's looking down and like i think it can appear that like the looking down and the facial expressions he's pulling might seem like an easy thing to do but like think like, for doing these takes over and over again and you have to stay in that same mindset where like his eyes are wide kind of and they're looking down at the ground and he's got like a, it's like this sense of like acceptance that he's not going to be treated the same but confused like on his face but it's also confusion as to why and he just has no clue because like nobody will really tell him why the the kids will chase him around like calling him gay and calling him all these slurs but like he doesn't even understand what those words mean and he has to ask Quan in the scene right before the first time jump and mm-hmm. it's really heartbreaking it, it, when he has to run into the like you know the crack den and hide from him and they're still throwing rocks through the windows man it's it's so sad every single time yeah well i think what's even more devastating is when he has the talk with Marshall ali's her- character juan um about dealing his mother drugs yeah that's in the same scene where he has to ask him like about like the slurs he's being called that yeah. scene as a whole is really brutal um he doesn't ask if he sells them to his mom does he he just he says does. you sell does he Yep. Okay. I thought he just said you sell drugs and my mama does drugs. He has both. Yes, and I know. I didn't know he made a connection between the two though. No, he yeah, he said Well, no, I don't think he asked specifically, but he understood the connection. And that was enough for him to Oh, it like, does say he away. did I'm I'm looking at the synopsis right now. It says he asked Juan about his drug dealing and selling to his mother. Yeah. Chiron no, it, it was definitely Juan, inferred. And Juan appears remorseful. Um so little fantastic um the next iteration we had was ashton sanders who was the middle one uh he i don't think he's really been in a ton of like big stuff he was in judas and the black messiah mm-hmm. he was in the equalizer 2 um i think he's been in some music videos and like some tv appearances so this is i think his biggest probably his biggest role yeah. it's his biggest one on his imdb but i wouldn't be shocked if this kid got more roles soon you know he's he was really good too he was fantastic he had to carry over that same sort of you know quiet and stoic expression that also like showed but he had but had to have a better understanding of why he was being this, treated this way and not only 
were they just accusing him of these things he knew that they were true like he like was like oh i actually am gay you know but nobody else knew it they right. were just calling him that um it's and the stuff that happens to him holy shit the 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 i don't even know where to start the guy who plays terrence really good Sher- sharif erp holy shit because that he, I hated that guy. <laughs> he was, yeah, he was really good at being like the the bully, I guess, in the scenario. And it wasn't. It was like a. He was like a fucking eighties bully. He was walking through hallways, knocking books out of hands. I was like, what? What? One of my favorite scenes in the, the whole movie was when we walk outside with Chiron, and the camera just starts circling, and um, it's with. Terrence and it just you see Terrence just walking in circles around Chiron and it just keeps following him in circles and you see him getting like more amped up and just like you seeing more people circle around him as as he uh, starts walking and it's just it's such a powerful scene and then that that circle circling motion ends on Chiron's face it's so well done oh oh no I think I messed up I messed up Sharif Earp is is Terrence but that is not the guy that bullies him that's the guy at the very beginning of the movie who Juan talks to and is and the guy's begging him to like sell him crack. I was so wrong. The oh, guy, you, the, you got me thinking that it was that. I guy. know. I, I'm totally to blame for this. The character name that bullied him was Terrell, not Terrence, and the actor that played him was Patrick DeSeal. Okay, close enough. Yes, we said so that yeah, a little. Okay. This, the last syllable tripped me up. Uh, apologies to Patrick DeSeal. You are not Sharif Earp. <laughs> but still, that kid was fucking awesome, Patrick DeSeal. And mm-hmm. that, once again, that circular scene, with the camera, he's right in the middle. And he's he's keeping eye contact lock, locked with Sharon, but he's still walking around pushing random people and, like, knocking books out of hands. Mm-hmm. It's such, like... <laughs> You know, it's like classic 80s bully behavior. And it is, it feel- but it also felt realistic to its It did time. feel realistic. Uh, you, it, the way it, I think it all depends on the way you play it. You could either play it like like in like a Breakfast Club John Hughes movie, or you could play it in a situation like this where he's like just trying to intimidate the fuck out of this kid, and he's circling him like a shark. And not only is this kid like the target for him, he's also like, I and fuck to everybody else too, you know? Right. Um. Yeah, yeah, that guy had issues. <laughs> um, but then that Chiron, who had the uh, gay experience on the beach with Kevin, who was played by Jarrell Jerome here, um, and then the very next day goes to school and Jarrell Jerome is punching him in the face. And, you know, they kind of they talk about, like, it, it kind of draws back to when they were kids and they were wrestling, and he was like, they're just trying to see if you're soft or whatever, like, and he says, like, if they knock you down when he's a kid, he says, if they knock you down, like, get back up, like, fight, like, you're, you know. And then Jarrell Jerome punching him in the face, trying to knock him to the ground, saying, stay down. And he's like, nope, I'm not, I'm not going to. Like, I'm not going to sit here and just fucking take this. And it's. Yeah. Ugh. I also think it has to do with, like, the central theme of, like, insecurities and, like, being true to yourself of, like, who right. you actually are. This is um, that. I think that's. Well. On Jarrell's side, it's like massive insecurity because he just right. had this experience with uh, Sharon on the beach the night before, and then like 
you can tell like when he gets to school, he's very uncomfortable by what happened, I think, or very not maybe not uncomfortable, but more insecure with himself about what happened. And so then that's why, like when Terrell starts talking to him, he like immediately puts on the tough guy thing and he's like, yeah, I'll knock anybody's ass out. And when it's Chiron, like you can see on his face that it's hard for him to do it, but he's like, I, I, it, it, they'll, they'll be, they'll be asking me why I can't hit this dude. Like I have to. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's very much the, um, idea that I think everybody's had an experience with of like this idea of like masculinity is not showing a sensitive side and it's definitely not being gay and it's. You know, if somebody, if like you're gonna get in a fight, get in a fucking fight and just hit somebody. You know, like, and that's exactly what this movie is about, and showing why that's not necessarily always true. And um, yeah, and also just kind of like the social, pre- the social pressure of like high right. school in general. Right, which is where I think we we start to kind of identify with this stuff. You see it, like you start. I think you start to get the idea that idea presented to you when you're a child, which is what the conversation. And the little wrestling match with Kevin and Chiron is there. And then when they get to high school, it's like in action. That idea is in action. The very mm-hmm. childish idea of this is what masculinity is comes into play. Right. You know? And it just fucks everybody's <laughs> it fucks with everybody's minds. I mean, this is like shit like that we all went through and like it's a very confusing time and it's Yeah, even- it's interesting because this scene right here shows like them holding back their emotions, but then this this couple scenes after when Chiron just can't hold it in anymore and just like unleashes his emotions on Terrell mm-hmm. when he throws the chair at him um, and beats him to living hell. Does he um, is he like what happens to Terrell right there? Because it looks like he's having like a seizure. I think something well something very severe had to have happened because right. he went to jail for it. Right. Um. So yeah, I don't know, but. Dude, those wooden chairs, like, I don't know if you had those in your school, but those things are fucking hard, man. I, we had, I mean, I think everybody has wooden chairs, but like, I, my first thought was, oh, that broke pretty easily. And then I was like, he's not, he's not getting up. How hard did he hit him to break it that easily? It was very obvious. If you look closely at that scene, it's so obviously a prop chair. Well, I I know, but like, it's, I think it's also supposed to be like, Look how hard he hit this fucking guy to shatter it. Like, I think that's why they, they did the second throw too at the end. Right, they, like really beat him. Oh god, that's a brutal. And it just it makes you feel bad that it had to come to that. Like, I that's think like a, that's my favorite scene in the in the whole film. I think it's just the lead up of him walking through all the hallways, pushing open the mm-hmm. doors, just seeing his like emotion like finally unleash after being like quiet and down and like for so long. Just seeing him just unleashed like this was so out of the ordinary, and it's it's kind of like the big climax of the whole movie. There's a second where I'm like, yeah, like you know, kind of fist bumping, like he stood up for himself. But then, like immediately after, when he's going to jail and he's in the cop car, it's like it feels, it makes you feel bad that it it came to this and that. Like, what is this? You know, nice, sweet kid, like got fucking pushed so far because of who he is, or they don't even really know who he is, just this perception of him that they have. Right. For almost no reason besides like his mom says the way he walks at the like they, like he they like the kids could just tell have you seen the way he moves like it, and it's you know it's uh, very much that kids will find the surface level thing and that's what they base your identity off of and it's just a natural human thing that we all do 
that's why like when we're older we don't do that anymore because we learn not to but with kids it's the first thing you do like this is not to go like full communications major but i'm in a nonverbal comm class and like literally we just talked about how like kids will (laughs) react differently to people could classically considered good looking versus people consider like are considered aren't because they only know the surface the surface level so if they see a kid walking differently or maybe that's a little quieter or thinks a little bit more or or maybe even acts a little bit more effeminate they're going to call that kid out you know that's just how it is when you're when you're a child and it's shitty and i mean i think for for like our time yeah i don't know if it's still the same now but yeah i'd imagine it's still the same Kids are going to be kids, unless all of them are like. I think you know. in different circumstances, yes. But yeah, I, I, you're right. It still goes on just for different things. But yeah. Um, when is this supposed to be set, by the way? I think a tell? lot of this is. No, I think they keep it kind of hidden on purpose to try to make it as universal as possible. Like they drive old cars, but it's old cars that you could see people getting because they look cool, you know, like. Right, and they don't show like phones or technology or anything. Um, I don't know. Which, I might. I think this is like a lot of it's based off Jenkins' childhood. Right, um, it is. Yeah, so I'm guessing it's around the time when he grew up, so like the 80s, 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, like you could. Let, I mean, it plays. You you could play it as it happening in 2016 when it came out. Yeah, and just like be like, yeah, they just didn't have their phone. Like they didn't pull out their phone at this time. I think know? that was definitely purposeful to try to make it as universal as possible. It's very, very well done. Um, and so then <laughs> to the to the last iteration of Sharon that you <laughs> you do not like. <laughs> no, I, I love it. Or you love it, but like you don't think the actor looks like like the Sharon actor's did just so drastically different. And I you made a good point by saying like he's supposed to be drastically different because yeah. he's he's trying to become like a different person. Well like, he is someone... a different it essentially is a different person. Yeah. He is and not is changed. And I don't mind, like, how big your buff he is. It's just his facial structure is just so off compared to the other ones. It throws me off. But what gets me by it is his acting is so freaking good during that whole thing. He just nails all the little, like, mannerisms and little things that the other two iterations of Chiron did that you just automatically believe it's Chiron just from the way he acts. Um, you can just see it in him. Travante Rhodes. He was just an incredible, incredible actor, and he really pulled it off. He's, it was awesome. Um, I didn't know he was in Bird Box. Did you know that? You haven't seen Bird Box? It's bad. Don't watch it. I don't know why I reacted like it was something that you have to see. Um, Oh, wow. He's going to play Mike Tyson in a Mike Tyson biopic show. That is something I will fucking tune into. That guy is huge. Um, But yeah, man, it's, he perfectly epitomizes what I think the the kind of system that Chiron is being put into the last we see him would spit back out. And it's definitely this idea of I'm not going to get pushed around anymore. And we saw yeah. we, his when his mom calls and he's listening to that voicemail and he's just furiously doing push-ups. Like this has very clearly become where he's going to put like his anger and frustration into. Yeah, I think you can just tell that you can see from the first two iterations like how his childhood shaped him to where he is now. Right. Um, and it, it's kind of hard to watch because you know like this really isn't him. 
and it's not the direction he should be going in, obviously, from Mahershala Ali's character. Right, and it's the, and it's just what he got forced to. It's, it's In a sense, yeah. I mean, it, it, not in a sense, it is what he got forced to. Sure, yeah. He, he, I think this is, and I don't know, to analyze it a little bit, like, I think the, the working out stuff and getting big was a, you know, I'm, for one, I'm going to defend myself when I get out, and I'm going to defend myself when I'm in here, because I imagine the bullying didn't stop when he got to juvie, you know? And then I think the drug dealing thing, like he got out probably when he was, I don't know, 18, unless he got moved to another facility when he was 18 and served time in actual jail. But I'm going to assume that he got out. He didn't have a high school degree, but he grew up around Juan and around his mother and he knew about he, he just had absorbed, you know, the how to how to move drugs, and he was like, "Yeah, this is what I'm gonna do." You know, I, yeah. I think it's the only route that he saw based off of, you know, if you look at his past, that's what he was around so much, so it makes sense that that's what he would fall into. Yeah, no, I I do agree with that. Yeah, um, the shit with him and the guy who plays the older Kevin is like. It's intense. It is. It is. Um, I don't I do, know. How to, I, I love the diner scene. Diner scene's great. I like when like they go back to the house and it's very emotional, mm-hmm. um, especially when he says like I've never been touched by a guy besides you. Right. Um, it's very powerful. But my one like critique with this movie is it didn't end on like it kind of just ended like it didn't end on like a, a like a bang or like a powerful note. Or anything like it just kind of faded off and like i understand what it was going for and right okay. it was very emotional um but i just like i want a little bit more oomph out of it don't you think it in that that a24 does that a lot and i know they're not a studio they're a distributor but it feels like everything they do like they put out does that a little bit and but a lot of what the other a24 movies do is they end it's more like jarring and shocking because it doesn't like it doesn't fade out like this movie. It just kind of ends, and then you're just like, oh, like you kind of like taken aback because they don't explain a lot or they don't show a lot. I don't know, but this movie like it still kind of goes through the motions, but it it just I don't know, it just fades. Like it doesn't end on like a like a powerful ending, you know. Uh, except I love the last shot. The last shot's great. The when last shot's amazing. Yeah, it's the moonlight shot. I think it's what it's known for. But yeah, it's so good. Um, I don't. I know. I just. I. Th- I just want. Maybe it's just because I wanted more with those characters, and I didn't want it to end so soon like that. Um, that that's probably it. It is. I kind of like how it's. It is like resolved, but it's not resolved. You know, like they give you enough to know. Like I. Well, actually, I don't really know if you can even assume that either of these characters is going to be okay. You know, this could, this experience, like, could fuck both of them up for the rest of their lives. Like, just seeing each other again. Um, I'm sure, like, the apology made Sharon feel a little bit better, maybe. But it can't make up for, like, the way his life has gone because of what happened. And I don't know if he holds Terrell more to blame or Kevin more to blame. Um because you know Terrell pushed Kevin to do it, but Kevin still did it. So I, I, I it's he. But he then again, Sharon took his anger out on Terrell. He didn't go after Kevin. So it's hard to it's hard to tell. But 
I did like the kind of like making peace with his mom, which we're going to get to Naomi Harris in a second. Um, but the, the Kevin storyline felt a little uh, op- open ended and didn't end super satisfyingly. Yeah. Uh, um, just like, I don't know. They left a lot unsaid, which I'm fine with movies doing, but it felt like it. I agree with you. It did feel like it needed a little bit more to exactly. be said. Yeah. Cause like yeah, it ended with like they talked about like uh, like Sharon was obviously like it's not only that like he hadn't been like touched again in that way, but I think he also is like closed off like everybody like doesn't even have fucking friends like the 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 guy he's with at the beginning riding around the car like yeah they're kind of shooting the shit, but also like that's just somebody he works with probably I imagine they're not like kicking it at Sharon's house, you know mm-hmm. yeah, and so um. Just how about Kevin? Good cook or bad cook? Think he's a good cook? <laughs> I can't tell, man. I don't know. We didn't get like, we didn't get enough like close up food shots. I'm I'm searching for one right now. Ke- they never Cuban. they never they showed like the grill shots like of it cooking, but we don't see the final dish that well. So I don't know. Um, I love Cuban food, so I really I was really pumped about that. I looked good though. I'm sure he is. I don't I don't think he's bad. He Kevin says he went to jail too, right? Yes, he did. What did he go to jail for? Did he say what? Um, no, he just said he got into some same old bullshit that all kids get into. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Jr. He says Kevin Jr. a couple times. I don't know why. It always makes me laugh. A Kevin Jr. just makes me laugh for some reason. It just sounds kind of silly. Kevin Jr. I don't know why. Um, all right. Supporting Janelle Monet. Really good. Thumbs up for me. Two thumbs up. I don't know. There's not much. Three I don't thumbs think there's up a, for me. I don't think there's a ton. To, <laughs> I don't think there's really a ton to say. She does provide a good surrogate mother for him, but also like. No, I thought she was easily the best actor in this. Really? Yeah. She was incredible. Like, if you see Naomi Harris, it's like in an interview. She, this is not her. Like, she has I, to I said Janelle Monet. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said Naomi Harris. <laughs> I'm gonna get there in a second. I was about to say I was about to say no. Naomi Harris is the best actor in this, but oh, no, I'm talking I'm sorry. That's why I said like not much to say. She's a surrogate mother. I misheard you. I'm sorry. Yes, um, Janelle Monae was great in this. She plays a great Good mother. Job. Yeah. Go listen to Dirty Computer. Great album. Janelle Monae is a fantastic singer. All right, um, Naomi Harris. That is fucking terrifying that she was able to do that. Yeah, no, she was incredible, especially the scene where she's like yelling at Little um, in the hallway. Uh, and that's when he hears that slur. I'm sure not for the first time, but it's the first time his mom says it to him. And that, oof, that's got I also, I love the scene where she gets locked out and is waiting for him to come home. Like, you can just see that like mood change instantly as soon as the door is unlocked. Um, it, it was so well done. Um, oh, um, my, the best for me and definitely like the scariest in terms of like, you know, this person's raising a child is when Juan snatches her out of the car and she's like, you gonna raise him or are you gonna keep selling me drugs at that scene? Yeah. That, it's <laughs> a very she, powerful scene. And it's also her acknowledging. And it's a, it is a really good metaphor or a good example of what substance abuse and addiction is, you know, she knows it's wrong. She's like, I'm a bad mom because I, I smoke crack. She's like, I am like, she pretty much admits it. And then 
<coughs> Sorry, some I swallowed some water down the wrong pipe. <laughs> and then she's like, I am. You want to raise him? And then she goes, well, then how about are you going to keep selling me drugs? Like, Because I'm going to keep doing them because I'm addicted. You know? Like, it's just the way it's going to go. Mm-hmm. So... No, she, she, yeah, she's incredible in this. She really just is a, it's a transformative role for her. <coughs> oh my God. That water. Really, I, I got it to clear my throat and help me talk, and now it's fucking me up. Um, Mahershala Ali. Oh, wow. Really good for him, too, though. Really good Mahershala Ali here. Yeah, I wish he was in it more, but. I do, too, man. I was, like, rooting for him to adopt him, but that would have been, like, you know, too happy of a thing to happen. But it's also it also probably says something that you're rooting for the fucking drug dealer to adopt him, like you know, like the guy who's selling actual crack. You know, he's not he's not selling weed. He is selling rocks for people to smoke. Yeah, and you kind of really see like the two sides of him, like the drug dealer side of him, and like the the caring, nurturing side of him. I think this was the first thing that I saw from Mahershala that he really stuck out to me, in because he had been in like. The Hunger Games Mockingjay movies, which, like, I think I saw those, but I, it was, like, watch. I, I didn't really watch them. And then he was in the Predators sequel, and he had been in this show called The 4400, which I don't know if you've seen that show. No. It's not good, and it ran for three years, and I watched every single episode and then rewatched it, and it's and I like it. It's bad, though. It's so bad. They're rebooting it soon. But he's in that show, and... I think this is the so this is all to say like when I watched Moonlight after this I would watch those movies or watch new ones he was in and be like that's the guy from Moonlight you know this is the first like thing that I think he really stuck out to me in if that makes any sense yeah I don't I don't remember the first thing I saw him in but um yeah no he he gives an incredible performance and I think what what proves that is like when we hear in the second one that he dies, how it just hits you so hard, even though it's just mentioned in passing. Um, it just like, it really hits you because you really care about that character and that um, little time that in, we saw him. He was in Benjamin Button, David Fincher. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just shouts out him. Um, and he is capitalized on the, on what Moonlight did for him, man. He has been amazing in everything he's done since. And he's about to get a Marvel bag again. <laughs> After already getting one in Luke Cage, he was the best character in Luke Cage. After after season one, when his character's story ended, I was like, I'm not interested in this anymore. You know? Yeah, he was great in that, and he was amazing in Swan Song. Just came out. Yep, he's gonna be really good as Blade too. I love the Blade movies. They're so fucking corny. I hope they keep the corniness in his. Um. All right, let's talk Barry Jenkins real quick. And then we'll move on to the Oscar stuff. Um, I have not seen the Underground Railroad. This I tried. I tried. Right. So I can't speak to that. But Moonlight and Beale Street seem like the two best things he's done. I was looking last night, and he's done the stuff he's done since is not very highly reviewed. Um he did an episode of dear white people which like that movie just gets like fucking pan or that show gets panned all the time you know i think the most shocking thing is that after this movie well beale street but after beale street he decides to do a fucking prequel of one of the biggest movies ever that's this is what i was building up to like 
shout out Barry Jenkins. You're a talented dude, but I think this movie's going to suck. No, I think it will suck. Um, but I respect him getting his bag. He's getting, I'm sure, a shit ton of money from this. And I'm sure after this, he's going to be doing amazing things. So I think it's all worth it in the end. Kelvin Harrison is Scar from Waves. That's mm-hmm. your guy. Yeah, I love him. And he was in Trial of Chicago 7 playing Fred Hampton. Mm-hmm. Oh. And he's, oh, he plays Christian in Cyrano. All right, this guy's coming up. I'm not going to watch Cyrano, but shouts out him. And Aaron Pierre, who was in the Underground Railroad, which you did not watch. And I, I saw did a little bit of him. I saw, I saw a glance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, this movie's going to be bad. I don't know if I'll even watch it. I didn't watch the new one. I watched half of it and turned it off. I was like, this is just fucking embarrassing to me. Donald Glover, god damn it. <laughs> and, um, Simba having become king of the... <gasps> They're godfather toing it. What do you mean? It's about Simba as king preparing his son, his cub, to follow in his footsteps. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then flashing back to Mufasa becoming king. They're godfather to again. Yeah, they kind of are. You're right. What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, oh. I mean, we'll see how much Barry Jenkins can shove in his creativity before Disney shuts it all down. So Jesus Christ, and I already know that it's not going to be colorful at all, and it's going to be a gray jungle, and it's going to be annoying, and I'm going <laughs> to hate it. God. All right. Uh, Perry Jenkins, get your bag. Not this way. Does it have to be this way? I don't want it to be. Dude, I'm so bad about that movie. Like, it's making me. It's, uh, but right. to, speaking, of, speaking of Beale Street, I, I love that movie. That movie's beautiful. <coughs> uh, one of my favorite scores in a movie. Um, I feel so it bad. It looks beautiful. Um, he, he's really developing a style, especially with Moonlight and Beale Street. So. And I'm really liking the direction he's going in. All right. You, you ready to do Oscars real quick? Sure. Or Well, here, I've, I forgot I included this question. Or did you include it? What phase did you like best? What was your favorite story? Yeah, so part one, two, or three. Um, I included this. Uh, my favorite is easily um, Chiron, the middle section. Um, right. I think that was just the most energetic. I think it, it just makes sense because, like, it's kind of like a prologue, the story, and then the epilogue almost. Um, right. And this is kind of like where all the juice is and where a lot of like his like transformative. It's where a lot where we see the character kind of transform. Um, just a lot of happening. I love all the shots in this. It was so well done. The acting is incredible. Yeah, I just think the middle part's my favorite. Um, I meant to say this. I, I love. I lo- I. I think the. I, I'm just gonna go opposite here and just say the last one. I do love the last one a lot. Um. And I just want to get some varying opinions in here. I I just uh, I, I love the progress. I, well, I don't love the progression he makes. I hate the progression he makes. It's sad, but I, I think it's a very natural way for this for his life to go. And I kind of liked seeing the transformation that he went through, and that like this trauma eventually led to. And I think it was a really cool analysis of like you know, this, this type of person and this type of character. But my biggest gripe with it was when he's supposed to be in Atlanta, I was like, that's just fucking Miami. That's not Atlanta. And then I just checked the filming locations. They didn't shoot shit in Miami. It's all in Atlanta. <laughs> well, yeah, or they you, didn't shoot, you would know they that didn't better shoot than any, I do. 
They didn't shoot shit in Atlanta. Sorry, they, it's all shot in Miami. It just looks like it's still Miami when he's riding around in, in, in Atlanta. I mean, I had no idea, but if you say so. Okay. All right. So Oscars this year, this, this movie came out in 2016. These are movies that came out in 2016, but uh, 2017 Oscars. So Moonlight was the winner. Also this year was Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, Lion, Manchester by the Sea, uh, Hidden Figures, Hell or High Water, La La Land, and Arrival. I read those in order of my favorites. <laughs> I mean, this uh, is the infamous Oscars. It's the one everyone knows. It, and not only is it like infamous because of the fumble, it, it's also just a fucking great year. It's a great movie year. Sure. What do you mean, um, sure? I don't know. If you get Moonlight, La La Land, and Arrival in the same year, that's a great fucking movie year. No, yeah, but it's not stacked. It just has a couple really, really good movies. Hell or High Water is a banger. Yeah, I love Manchester by the Sea, too. Manchester by Exactly, dude. Look at this list. It's no, awesome. It, it's a good list. Um, but yeah, the La La Land Moonlight fumble was just incredible to watch <clears throat> because- one, everyone, literally everyone thought La La Land had this in the back. Right. For sure. For sure. And then, so when it was announced, everyone was like, oh, okay, yeah, makes sense. And then the switch up midway through, oh, man, that just, they, like, that blew my mind. I was like, there's no way this actually happened. Because they took the wrong envelope out, right? So, yeah, so what happened was the envelope that they received, was, it said Emma Stone La La Land on it. Oh, yeah, they it took out the, the, yeah, the yeah. actress one. Um, and some guy backstage fucked up big time. I'm sure he's forbidden from going anywhere near Hollywood right now. Um, but I, I know, I understand the announcer messing that up because I think when you get the best picture, it shows like the producer's names and then like the title of the movie. Um, so it, it makes sense if you read that and you think, oh, Amazon must've been a producer on this movie too. So it's La La Land. Um, but yeah, it was just crazy to witness like a, a huge mess up like that for best picture, um, and just seeing the chaos that was happening on the stage too of like all the La La Land cast and all of the Moonlight cast just like awkwardly standing there together, just being like, "Wait, what? What's happening?" Um, it's just such an iconic Oscars, honestly, to watch. Um, yeah, I mean, it was absolutely bananas. Um, but shouts out Emma Stone for getting. Uh, best actress uh and also this year uh mahershal ali won supporting actor which very very deserved mm-hmm. yeah so i mean in terms of what i think should have won right that's what i was getting to you read my mind uh i mean <coughs> i think our rival is my favorite out of these but honestly i think i i, I would have gone la la land over moonlight for this la la land is such a good film but I do respect them choosing Moonlight because I think Moonlight deserves more recognition because La La Land already got enough. So Arrival is also my favorite. When we finally get to do the Arrival podcast, like we're going to finally ascend into the stratosphere <laughs> when we can finally do the Arrival pod. And so, because um, I mean, we've been talking about that movie together <laughs> for years. Um, yeah, man, I... If you're going off by what the best quote unquote movie is, it's La La Land, I think. Um, but La La Land is, uh, it's not like any movie we've seen before, I think, but it is pretty similar to movies we've seen before. Moonlight is a story that I, I don't 
like has never really been put to film we've and it's mm-hmm. a perspective that was entirely new we've seen the hollywood you know movie about hollywood and how great hollywood is you know la jerking itself off la la land type movie before this one was very well done i uh, it's in the years since i have i think so when this happened in 2016 i was not big on la la land i was pumped moonlight one i loved moonlight and since and i've looked at it again i think la la land probably should have been the winner i think it's a better movie overall yeah and it's definitely the one i return to more because it's a much easier watch but Mm -hmm. i i think moonlight was the right choice but la la land is the better movie yes i agree there but i think moonlight is also the better story too because this is a lot of lands it's a story we've seen before. It's just so fucking entertaining. In a way, I guess. Naomi I Harris. Did, snub. I think the story of La La Land at the end was like very unique. I, I like yes, the direction it took. That last scene, even when I, well, I, I didn't, I didn't really love that movie when I was in theater. When I saw it in theaters, which kind of made wow. me like, yeah, I know. Um, it makes me sad that I didn't really appreciate it then because it's such a great movie to see, you know, on a big screen. But that last, like, that last, uh, you know, final, what, 10 minutes of the movie with the big closing sequence where they're wrapping everything up, you know, and it's about basically what could have happened to these two people if they had stayed together. It's so good. That is probably, like, what should have got at the Oscar. Um but shouts at Moonlight for best adapted screenplay too. Although they did Jack Arrivals, you know, Arrivals back there. No, oh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not mad in any way that Moonlight won. Um, but yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it's hard because the big three of movies this year was so stacked, and there is a great argument for both of them, and it really all comes down to personal preference and like. I think, of course, we like Arrival the most because that's like the the Denis Villeneuve like camp of look at the scale of this and also ooh really cool sci sci fi story, and then um, the La La Land is I think partial is while it's a, a a very entertaining movie I think it's partially like us being like ah Hollywood rocks you know that's what I come away from when I watch it I'm like man I love Hollywood movies are the best you know I mean yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. It's one of those movies, which but you get I, I do think the win of Moonlight helped it get more like uh, awareness of the movie itself and more people watched it. I think La La Land, the win would not have helped it at all. People still would have saw it. Yes, for sure. I mean, it. it, it I think the mix up helped it <laughs> helped it a lot more than a win would have. Mm-hmm. Like not and that and just like. My, La La Land's the one that's going to be talked about more. It just is, and it's very. Wow, are you saying the mix-up was intentional? They did it on purpose to to push the La La Land <laughs> pu- narrative, not to push Moonlight narrative. Ah, uh, maybe. Nah, guess. nah. The Academy is not that. Ah, uh, more mm, nice, dude. Dude, who am I to say though? Who are you to say? Uh. All this is just to say I I want to do the moon the arrival pod soon. <laughs> yes. Oh it'll man, it'll happen. It will happen. We gotta have it happen organically. Um. 
All right. Do you have any final thoughts on this movie, buddy? No, it was it was a great rewatch. I love watching the three stories and, and how they are similar, how they're different. Um, one thing we didn't talk about was the opening shot. I thought the opening shot was incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, it's another one of those circling shots. Um, really well done. When the car pulls up, we see him get out. We see the, the interactions, the circle back. Um, starts off with the iconic song that Kendrick used on To Pimp a Butterfly. Yes. Um, the Wesley's Theory sampled it, yeah. Yep. Um, great little call there. Um, but yeah, no, it's just, overall, it's a great movie. And it's like, it's something that everyone can relate to just about be like being true to who you are and the importance of like letting yourself be vulnerable at certain points. Yep. Uh, it's a great watch and it's a very moving watch. All right. <laughs> so that's all we have on Moonlight. Um, all right. I'm breaking out the pen and paper pretty soon and I'm going to go through and. <laughs> Start writing my winners and stuff, but I have. Do you have anything left to see? Do you have you? Are you at least on the best pictures? Yes, I still need to see um, King Richard. Fuck! I forgot I have to watch that too. Oh god! I have five movies to watch before we do this next Wednesday. I still have to see Drive My Car. I still have to. I don't know if I'm gonna watch West Side Story. I might just skip it. I still have to watch Coda. I still have to watch King Richard, and I still have to watch Belfast. Um, I think King Richard is coming back to HBO Max very soon. I, I think it's going to be like, I don't know if it's going to be before the Oscars happen. I think it yeah, might be right after. I, I think it's going to be right after because I think they're banking on a Will Smith win to like push them through to, uh, you know, big streaming numbers and people signing up to see this movie. <clears throat> uh, I had one thing. Oh, are you going to watch Being the Ricardos so you can be fully informed when you go in for the actor uh, list? I gotta say, I don't think it's gonna happen. <laughs> just not gonna watch that one. Um, I just, I, I don't know if I can bring myself to do it. We'll see. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that, and I still have to watch Spencer. I, I don't know you if I need have time. to watch Spencer. I know. I might, I might do that tonight. I really want to watch Parallel Mothers. Yeah, it's on my list. Uh, but I just don't, I don't know if I'll have the time, man. You need to make time for Spencer. I will. I, I think I'll do that tonight or tomorrow. Um, but man, the 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 mass amount of movies we watch to keep the the listeners happy—it's <laughs> torture. <laughs> Watching movies and getting to talk to talk about them is so much torture. Um, all right. If that's all you got, I'm good to go. Yeah. Next week will be a big week. It'll be fun. Yep. All right. Good talking to you, buddy. Till next time. See you next time.